Welcome to Practice Life, the podcast devoted to the important non-clinical issues affecting the daily practice of equine veterinary medicine. Practice Life is brought to you by the American Association of Equine Practitioners. And I'm Mike Pannell, a practice owner and veterinarian, and a longtime EAP member and your host. Beringer Ingelheim knows that every veterinary professional in practice has a wide variety of needs. That's why our Equine Veterinary Technical Solutions team, our VETS team, is here to provide education, product, and veterinary expertise, exceptional customer care, and regulatory stewardships. Our mission is to lead our veterinary community in technical knowledge and build a long-lasting relationship with our customers. To get in contact with one of our team members, please call us at 888-637-4251. Hi, welcome to another episode of the AAP Practice Life Podcast. I'm Mike Pownall, and as always, I am joined by Jessica Dunbar. Hey, Jessica, how are you? Hi, Mike. I'm great. So we are building on the episode we just did previously at the AP conference where you're asking people what they love about practice and what gives them awe in the day. And we thought, since we have this captive audience, Jessica brought up, you brought that great idea of so many young vets, even experienced vets, struggle in communication about how to set up an appointment because of something that's going to be expensive. And so we asked that question. And then we talked about how do you handle those aggressive, pushy, demanding clients? A little bit on boundaries. We had a podcast episode on that. So we're going to jump in there. So have a listen to this. Jessica and I back. We got sort of two parts of this. We'll comment on things and give our own perspective on things. But before we jump in, Jessica, anything you want to add before we start listening to some of the feedback from uh, AEP members? I really enjoyed discussing this with our fellow equine vets. I think communication can be challenging at times. I really enjoyed having this conversation with with this group. Have a listen. I hope you enjoy. My name is Becky Rumler, and I practice in Massachusetts, and I have been in practice for 16 years. As a young veterinarian, I was always very worried about approaching clients about money and budgetary sort of things. My main concern was, and I will admit that I would prejudge clients based on how they looked and how their barn looked and what type of horse they had. And, you know, say they had a horse that needed a colic surgery um, or needed a very expensive procedure or whatnot, I would sometimes, you know, be hesitant to bring up the more expensive procedure because I didn't want to make the client feel embarrassed that they couldn't afford it, put them on the spot, make them feel bad that they couldn't afford the top tier treatment for their horse. What has evolved for me over time is to be able to present all of the options for treatment with no judgment to the client and say to them, this is a no judgment zone. The other thing that I have felt over time is that, and the line that I use with my clients is, if we need to get from point A to point B in your horse's care, I can get there in a Rolls Royce, but sometimes I can get there in a Miata and it's okay. You know, like this is the top level treatment. These are all the things we can do. This is the gold standard. And if you can afford that and that is what you can do for your horse, that is what we will do. And we will go there in a Rolls Royce. And if we can't afford that, we will start to peel it back until we reach a point that you can accommodate in your budget. And in all likelihood, we'll still be able to get a positive result for your horse. My name is Craig Lesser. Uh, I practice in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, and I've been doing it for about eight years now. You know, communication is the hardest part of our job. It's the most important and it what builds those relationships with clients and the trust that they need to 
allow you to do those top end procedures, you know, and it, it can be really difficult, especially when it's a expensive procedure that might not have a great outcome. You know, I deal with a lot with the laminitis horses. So we're talking about doing tenotomies and other expensive procedures that have a 50-50% outcome after six months to a year worth of care. And the biggest thing for me is just being straightforward with it. You know, it, it's laying out the, the cost of the hospital stay, but then also reminding them that there's all this follow-up costs and these kind of hidden costs that you might not think of. And the times where I've not done a good job at that are the times I've gotten in trouble, but the times where I've been straightforward and explained it all out really n nicely for the client and they fully understood the commitment that was necessary, that's when we seem to have better success. So just really making sure that they understand the whole scope of it instead of just that initial cost. Uh, my name is Danielle Price. I practice at Columbia Equine Hospital in Oregon, and I have been in practice for about six and a half years. I really like to give clients options, and so I kind of always break it down like gold standard, silver standard, bronze standard, and give them like the benefits and risks of going with any of those options and ultimately let them make their own decisions so that they feel accountable for the decision they make. But I definitely talk up the gold standard <laughs> for sure. <laughs> My name is Kate Alexander. I work in Fort Collins, Colorado at Colorado State University and I have been in practice since 2020. I found that addressing the cost up front is the biggest saver of those difficult conversations later down the road. So I tend to slightly inundate with information and options up front and give them those cost differentials for our different treatment plans at the time. And then I put the power back on the client to actually make their decision about which of those routes is going to work for them and their horse. My name is Molly Rice and I practice at Midwest Veterinary Dental Services and I have been a vet for 20 years. I am in a dental practice only so um, we have a fair amount of extractions that can get expensive. So I usually try to start with educating the client on what the problem is and, and why it might be a difficult extraction. Because usually our, the difficult extractions are our more expensive procedures um, or cases that I, I anticipate problems after the extraction where they may require more follow-up visits. Um, so I try to first educate them on what exactly is going on and why this is not a straightforward, easy, easy problem. Um, and I think that sort of helps then bridge the discussion of why is it so expensive. And then the other thing is, is that sometimes you just have to explain to them that sometimes doing it right the first time is cheaper than trying to piecemeal treatments together that maybe aren't as effective in the end. So sometimes doing a definitive procedure that might be expensive up front is better than trying to piecemeal along multiple procedures that maybe aren't going to be as effective in the end, and you'll end up spending as much or more money in the end. My name is Maura Mack. I practice out in Redmond, Oregon at Black Diamond Equine, and I've been practicing uh, out of internship for about a year and a half. Usually I start by explaining really thoroughly the the issue and making sure that they understand it and see see the value um, and understand the gravity of whatever is wrong, right? Because it's not that something is necessarily really expensive if they see the value in it. I think it's when they don't understand the value that people get really upset that things are so expensive. So if you explain like why a procedure costs 
honestly, that's what I do sometimes, especially for something like a dental extraction when the sticker shock that it's going to be thousands of dollars to, to pull a tooth. I explain it takes, you know, something like four hours to get a tooth out and, and how long they are, you know. So I, I think that for, from a financial standpoint, just really explaining to people ahead of time helps a lot. My name is Andrea Satella, and I practice in the Hudson Valley of New York. I have my own solo uh, equine ambulatory practice that focuses on sports medicine. I graduated vet school in 2006. So I'm also very lucky to have a wide variety of clients from a financial standpoint. I have people that, you know, travel to Florida and have unlimited finances, and then people with one horse in the backyard that they can barely afford to keep. So I'm always thinking about finances, even if the client isn't asking me about finances. And I always try to always provide options. And those options can be from invasive to non-invasive or from inexpensive to more expensive, gold standard to we'll do the best we can. My name is Viviana Burgos. My practice is in Estacada, Oregon, Eagle Fern Equine Hospital. We have three doctors, support staff and everything else. In terms of overdue accounts, we had a lot of old accounts. Now we're working on trying to, if the, everything needs to be paid at the time of service, and we have a lot of clients that are like, then I'm calling somebody else. We have clients that do trust us and will create a payment plan because emergencies are not planned. So I understand that life happens, and we try to work with them in a three, no more than three months. I also provide care credit, so it's available for them to be able to, to pay for their bills, and we really try to work with them on that. We are changing our model on if you need elective procedures, payment has to be done ahead of time for the appointment, or you have to pay at the time of service, and the owner needs to be at the, at the appointment. So that's a fascinating section on costs, how to talk about costs. Anything jump out at you? regarding how to talk to clients about expensive procedures. I think the common denominator is just being transparent and communicating thoroughly, kind of creating that expectation of, uh, you know, the range of what things might cost. How about you, Mike, with that first question about how to, how to talk with clients about this? A couple of things really came up to me. Um, one is that, you know, it's sort of verified that communication is often the hardest part of the job because we're sort of, you know, in this emotional situation and, you know, people think they're prepared to pay the, you know, when something's unexpected or even routine, you know, like you've got a persistent lameness or medical condition. And so communication is the hardest part of the job. And if you have a trusting relationship with a client, it makes it so much easier. Absolutely. As opposed to, you know, it's the worst when you're, you're going to a brand new client and the first appointment is, you know, is you maybe have seen them for vaccines and then a week later you're going to a colic and you're like, they don't know who I am. We haven't built up that rapport yet. It's, that's a harder conversation. Absolutely. You got to play catch up there. But I think that transparent conversation is just key. You work with a lot of interns. You have worked with a lot of young vets. How do you coach them in this discussion? I'd love to hear what your approach is on this. I don't know if over-communicate is the right answer, but communicate clearly, create a correct expectation. Because if I think back or reflect back on any troubles I've had in the past, it's if I, if I failed to do that. You know, if I didn't lay out 
the potential worst case scenario or most expensive, that's where things can go sideways. So gosh, clear communication and lots of it. Yeah. Yeah. On my end, I teach our younger associates is two to three options I think is ideal. Like here's the you know, the gold plated special versus, you know, um, something that's more affordable. And I never make anybody feel like if they can't afford it, they're not a good person. And I really work with our vets on that. And, but some of our younger vets, they get out of school and they're just, their minds are filled with all the possibilities. And so they're like three, five, six options. And people don't want too many choices. They want comfort in the choices that you have. And so I just, I try to say two to three is enough. And be absolutely upfront with costs. Nobody likes to be surprised. Also, make sure you are really clear on what ongoing costs are going to be, not just the time that you're there at this appointment. Like if you've got a laminate, of course, or or something that's got some, you know, a, a nasty infection and it's going to be ongoing, like not just today, but what's going to be the next week, the next month, what have you. Mm-hmm. I think that's good advice. So we're going to jump into the next section. And then we'll be back afterwards to give our two cents worth. And I think this is another thing that you very, very much evolve in your practice career as you kind of trial and error with, you know, clients that are demanding and will steamroll you or, you know, blow past your boundaries. And I think the thing for me, for me, it's just all about clarity with those clients, being very upfront, being, being very clear in your communication style. And every one of those clients is, is a little bit different. And I try to understand, you know, where they're coming from and why they are reacting in the way that they're reacting. And it's, it's almost always coming from a place of, you know, concern for their animal. And I can very much appreciate that, but they also have to work within a framework that is, that is reasonable and they have to work within a framework that is respectful. Um, and sometimes you have to have conversations with clients about that. And that can be difficult and intimidating to do because you don't want to come off as rude, but sometimes you do just need to be a little firm and a little clear. Um, actually, Dr. Amy Grice, she, she has this uh, saying, and I really love it, which, um, you know, being clear is equal to being kind because you can clear up a lot of things and prevent a lot of uncomfortable situations by just being, being clear. And that is being kind to your client. Those really tough clients, once you've helped to train them to work with your schedule, they become much more manageable and they appreciate you a lot more, I think, that way too, once they realize that you're a human being. It took me a while. You know, I, I guess I'm eight, nine years out, out now and it took me at least five years before I really felt comfortable saying, hey, you know what, it's, this is my time. You know, so um, I tell all my clients that um, they're welcome to text me at any point, but I will only respond between 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday unless it's important that I need to respond to it right now. And for me, it's worked really well because our clients like being having the access, but most of them realize that it's okay to wait. And it, the few of them that haven't been okay with that have rumbled a little bit, but they've been fine. And I've probably lost a client or two over it, but in all reality, I slept better that night because I, I, I don't miss them, you know, and it, and it takes a while to build that confidence that, you know, what if that they're making your life that difficult, maybe the best thing is to let them go. I think I just like to be empathetic and try to kind of relate to people on their level. And again, kind of like the previous question, I like to give clients options and make them accountable for the, their own choice if they're kind of being challenging. 
I try to remind myself that I don't know what's going on in their life or where they're coming from necessarily. So I try and take a step back and remove myself from feeling it personally. That's much easier said than done, but I try to put up a little bit of a wall between my personal feelings and I just make up situations where I think, you know, they're having the worst day of their life or whatever. This isn't about me. And so to me, I think standing firm with your boundaries, but also giving grace and flexibility for the other people in your life when you're having those communication issues is really important. Again, I kind of fall back on education. I find the most demanding and difficult clients are usually those clients that want to dig into the how, you know, what, when, where, why, whatever. They're the ones that want to know all of the everything. And they, the, the, hard, the hard part about those types of clients is they take a lot of time to, to explain everything. So I try to have um, diagrams and visual aids for the most common problems I see because I find those types of clients, if you can stick a, you know, a brochure in front of them or stick a picture in front of them to help explain things, it helps them process that information a little quicker and then gets them a little bit more on board. I often just end up like partnering with them, meeting them where they are. So, you know, if they're demanding one thing specifically, I kind of try and get on their side, say, okay, we can do that for you. And if it's something that I, I haven't been in, an, in a position where it, you know, went totally against my medical ethics to, to partner with people. So for the most part, I, I partner with them and say, okay, I'm, I'm here to to give you a service. This is why I would do it differently. But in the end, um, you know, they're, they're the client. And as long as I'm not doing, you know, harm to the horse, you know, that, that's what they're there for. They're there for um, something specific. And that's usually how I handle um, a more demanding client. And it's, it's worked very well for me and not passing judgment on them either. Or they expect you to fight them. And as soon as you're, you say, okay, like I'll, I'll meet you there. Um, their attitudes change and yeah, I just don't, I just don't fight with them. <laughs> I always try to think before I speak in those situations, which can sometimes be hard for me to do because I'm very passionate and I like to, you know, tell people what I think. Um, and also I just always try to listen carefully and make sure that client knows that I am listening and understanding what they are saying so that they feel heard and then try to still guide the conversation in a positive direction with a difficult person as best as I can. So interesting, all over the place here on what people think of or what they do or how they handle uh, clients, whether it's the clients that don't want to pay or having your financial problems versus the clients that are aggressive, intense. Anything that jumped out of you on this episode? The common denominator for me with clients that might be a little more challenging to communicate with is it all comes from a good place. It comes from their care for their horse, potentially some stress over money. But, you know, I, I think that most of the folks that we that I interviewed suggested being listening to their concerns, making sure we understand their concerns and address those concerns is really important. Yeah, I agree. And one of the things I tell of our, our vets, and it's, and it's hard to, you know, I've been out for 21 years, 22 years. It's a lesson that I have to remind myself and I have to remind all our vets, whether they've been out for a year or 20 years or what have you, is we tend to take things personally, but we don't know what's going on in the person's life. 
And I've had so many episodes where I'm like, wow, this person is really upset with me or they're not liking what I recommend. And then a minute later, because you know, you just see this face, they're going to blow up at me and you just don't know what's going on. And I have learned after a while, I've had the confidence when somebody is aggressive or super silent or just their mood changes, I will ask them, I'll come right out and go, wow, this seems to have upset you. Uh, Your mood has changed. What's going on? I just want to make sure that I maybe did I miscommunicate something? want to understand it. And all of a sudden, most of the times, I can say every time, it's not me or you. It is my grandfather is in the hospital. Right. And I just don't have the emotional capacity to handle this. Or my kid, we just got into an accident and we had to spend a bunch of money on a fracture repair. I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to make this work financially. And it's amazing when you just ask them. (laughs) Have that open communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember when I was doing my internship and the the senior vet in the practice would ask what I thought at the time were super inappropriate questions. <laughs> and I'm just trying to be a polite Canadian. And he would come out and ask things and it just opened up the conversation, you know, and he would just say like, wow, you seem really upset. It cleared the air. It was the elephant in the room and he just addressed it. I think that's great. I'm glad you were <laughs> were there to um, observe him and pick up on that. And I think I've slowly picked up on that over the years, having that open communication, really listening to the client and addressing all of their concerns. And it's not personal. It's not personal, Mike. (laughs) And I think another good point on this is if you're with a technician, go to the truck, ask the technician to sort of, if if they've been around and they're comfortable, if they know this client, you know, sometimes they don't want to bring it up in front of the vet, but they'll bring it up in front of your your tech or your vet assistant. And maybe they can open the conversation too. Oh, that's a good tip. One thing from these interviews that stuck out to me was uh, Molly Rice from Wisconsin said there are some clients that it really helps them to give them something visual. Yes. I think that is great advice. Some people need to to see it written down or see a diagram. I think that can be really helpful in conveying, you know, what's going on with the horse or I will incorporate that a little more into my practice. Yeah, for sure. One last point I wanted to bring up too, and I think this is for senior vets, vets that are mentoring newer ones, practice owners, practice managers, is the customer is not always right. And we have some of these aggressive customers and we've all had them, have them. Where, you know, when you're going to the appointment, you're like, what is going to happen today? I learned something really, at the time, expensive, over a period of time, really inexpensive. We had a client was just not, I'm just going to say it was not a fit for us. And we thought it was just the vet personality. So we asked another vet to go there. And after literally three or four vets, every one of them said the same thing. The night before an appointment, I don't sleep. And I'm just waiting for something horrible to happen because this person is just abusive, non-communicative, what have you. And after a while, I just said, you know, I think we have to get rid of this client. Like, it just is not a good fit. And of course, we tried speaking to them and saying, you know, this is a challenge and having that communication. And they're like, oh, we're so sorry. We'll be better. We'll be more open. And then just they are who they are. And three, four weeks later, the actions had returned even worse. And so I let them go. I'm going to say this person brought in over $100,000 a year to our practice. 
Wow. So it was a significant chunk of money. But with the challenges we're having in the profession of attrition and people leaving the profession, like this would be why somebody gets burnt out or hates their job, knowing that these kind of clients were there. And so A, what happened is the vets were happier and B, they had confidence in the company that we would have their back and trust them. And it gave them time to focus on new opportunities, better clients. And so overall, we were able to rebuild that business back within a year. I just don't think we have to, we don't have to stand up for all the stuff that's thrown at us. I'm really glad you brought that up and that you were aware of that particular situation. And I think we all need to be aware of when it's perhaps not a good fit and we can only (laughs) endure so much and, and we can't, maybe we can't solve all the problems with communication, but I think everything kind of works out like it should if we attempt that great communication and it, it's still, we can't meet the needs of that client, then perhaps there's, there's somebody else that, that could meet the needs and it's good to call it. Exactly. I mean, I also kind of say is that there's a, the client for everybody, like attracts like, and when you start having this friction that lasts too long, it may be time that we part ways. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I hope uh, those listening picked up some good tips from that. Thank you again to Beringer Engelheim for supporting us in the AAP Practice Life podcast. And we look forward to uh, the next episode with you. See ya. See ya. For more resources to help you in daily practice, please visit the AAP's website at aaep.org. Beringer Engelheim knows that every veterinary professional in practice has a wide variety of needs. That's why our equine veterinary technical solutions team, our VETS team, is here to provide education, product, and veterinary expertise, exceptional customer care, and regulatory stewardships. Our mission is to lead our veterinary community in technical knowledge and build a long-lasting relationship with our customers. To get in contact with one of our team members, please call us at 888-637-4251.